The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman was born in a small town as the youngest of four in the family. The home was full of love, and her father ran a strict household. At the age of 16, she began working in a support role in a corporate company. She liked business and ended up making this her college major. She took her business education and turned it toward real estate. But as her life unfolded, challenges landed on her doorstep. An abusive marriage that left her living in a halfway house. This was followed by a great marriage. But when her husband died, she was left as a young widow with a failing business. But through it all, she was determined to find a way to rise above. Today, she runs a successful air flight medical company, a ground medical transport, and a thriving real estate agency. And her companies now employ over 340 people, and she is walking her path to greatness. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Ronnie Otoveras. Ronnie, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Annette, for the lovely introduction. I'm so excited to have you here, and we have limited time together, so I'm going to jump right on in. Okay. So through your journey, you have thrived in businesses while raising three children, certainly not an easy undertaking. How did you manage to do this? It's a healthy balance. You're finding the correct healthy balance um, with work and being a mom at home, as well as as a housewife, too, for the time that I was. you have to find a healthy balance in between where you can schedule things, make things run efficiently and allow to delegate to with the people that can handle the tasks that, that you can not have to handle. So I'm going to stay in this space for a second, because when you and I talked about this prior to this time, there was a couple of things that you said that I thought were interesting. You told me that you took your children with you to work and they were part of your business. Explain that a little bit more, because I want other women to hear that there is a way to achieve that balance, and it doesn't necessarily mean being at home with them nine to five every day. Correct. And the good thing is they do learn a business environment. Even as newborns, I had a crib next to my desk and was able to handle business, handle being a mom. You either embrace it, or if you're trying to do and be the perfect on each world, you know, it doesn't always work out. So you just embrace it. You engage it and your kids end up trying to negotiate almost everything, even the tooth fairy. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've seen the business, how it works, don't they? <laughs> My five-year-old, well, at the time he was five, now he's 10. But at age five, he had already heard mama talk about real estate and consideration and earnest money. So he said, mom, does the tooth fairy believe in earnest money? Because I'm going to write her a letter like a contract. I said, okay, so you have a pen, mom? Yeah, I have a pen. What are you going to say? Dear Tooth Fairy, please give me $100 earnest money or as much as you can. And then he signed his name, Eli, <laughs> which that was the most, the most hilarious thing. So he would not have learned those business concepts if he'd be kept in the safety of the house, would he? No. You expose your children at work and they end up being pretty good leaders, you know. So as you have expanded, you told me that some people gave you the advice to not to worry about what others are doing. 
And you also told me this was some of the worst advice that anybody can give someone in business. So why do you see this as bad advice? Well, things need to be earned on your own merit is what I strongly believe in. But it's also encouraging to know where your competition stands. Because if you don't know where your competition stands, then how do you know what advantages you have? Okay, so keep going with that a little bit. Because I think that people, I often hear the advice that you were given, okay? And I hear it in the context of don't be worrying so much about what others are doing, just go be you. And I tend to be a little bit more in your camp because I think in the business world, it's very easy to get blindsided if you aren't paying attention to what's happening around you. Right. You need confidence in what you're doing and be standing strong about it. But you have to be aware of your surroundings, of what competition has to offer. You want to be on the competitive edge. You want to offer, you know, better services. You want to offer more efficiency, better quality. Those are things that you need to be aware of what you're, where your competitors stand. So hanging on to good talent can be a challenge, especially these days, Ronnie. So what is your secret to finding and keeping talented employees? Training, training them. If there are certifications or education offered, I'm big on education. If I can help an employee advance their career, for instance, my EMTs that are basic EMTs that just start, put them in a training for advanced EMTs or encourage them to, to take their paramedic course. These things, you know, they've always been available, but if you can offer them to your employees as incentives, they tend to grow with you and it helps encourage your growth as well. So do you find that there's other things that are needed or is training the only key? Motivation too. Motivation is also key. Um, helping with employees' developmental programs, uh, positive programs, HR development, doing personality assessments, doing teamwork assessments. It also helps encourage the workplace environment. So do you feel it's important to create a family-type atmosphere or do you feel like it's more of a matter of creating an atmosphere where everyone can excel? It, it's hard to say because everybody has different types of businesses, but you need both of those incorporated, um, depending on the type of employees you have. Well, for you, I mean, looking at the companies that you run, you know, they are skilled type positions. They have to be EMTs or they have to know how to fly an airplane or they have to have the ability to drive an emergency vehicle in some kind of situation beyond the way we normally would drive. Do you find it hard to find people? It is, but it's also making the affiliations from an early level. I, I go down as far as the high school level. You know, I'm already introducing it to freshmen in high school because I'm working with their school districts on the programs. You introduce it, you help your workforce because many don't know about these programs that are available. Sometimes in high school, you don't know what you want to do, but if someone plants the right seed, it can progress into a career. So you know, whether it be real estate, sometimes I talk about real estate with high schools. Sometimes I, I meet uh, the local colleges. I also am involved with leadership. I'm part of the organizations, uh, the chambers. I'm the chairwoman for my chamber, local chambers here in this area. So I like developing that relationship because they progress into, into affiliations with the schools and education is important. I like what you're saying here because I think the message is very clear for you you have a long-term viewpoint. You aren't mm -hmm. worrying about what you need tomorrow in terms of tomorrow being next week. 
you're already thinking, how am I going to create a pipeline of talent for my business five years from now? I'm not so sure that a lot of entrepreneurs don't put out fires by trying to figure out what they need right now and then panic when they can't find it. True. So you mentioned motivation as being one of the things that is part of your secret formula to finding talent and keeping them. And we've also heard a couple other things tumble out that are your secret way of approaching it. What does motivation look like for you? What does that mean? Motivation and my, it depends, like if you're referring to my emergency medical service company, you have to keep crews motivated because on a given day, they see patients in not so great condition. They see patients that have had heart attacks. They see patients that have been in car accidents. They have, you're seeing them on what could probably be their worst day of their life. So once you see that continuously at work, you need to keep crews motivated in a positive way. So you do that by team building. You put them in smaller groups. I usually hire leaders to come in and speak with them. Um, you know, if I have to bring one of my speakers comes from Austin because they're good. They know how to motivate the crews. They talk to them right. They do personality assessments on, on, you know, know your personality of your team and put put the ones that work well together on shift together. It's how you match up the shifts. And if it makes a better environment for, for them at the workplace, then that's important. You're going to have better production. You're going to have better attitudes at work. And it's your face forward because what do the patients see out there on the day-to-day? They want a friendly paramedic. They want someone who's going to help them in, in a time of critical need. So all these things revolve under the synergy of the business and you want it to flow well. And that's a good way to, to prepare it. So you work in a male dominated industry in South Texas where a male dominated attitude is common. Do you find this creates a challenge for you and a business struggle? Sometimes, sometimes it can, depending on who I'm dealing with, but you learn to maneuver through it. You learn to adjust and figure things out accordingly. So what do you see as the hardest obstacle for women to overcome in this kind of environment? Because a lot of our listeners and certainly women that have been on this platform are working in very male-dominated spaces. So what do you find is the hardest thing to overcome? Well, there's not too many women in the EMS industry. I deal with fire chiefs that are male, many commissioners, many mayors, and many uh, city officials that are male. And there's some that are a joy to work with, but there's some that when you're talking to them, they'll either make eye contact more with, with your boyfriend and direct questions to him when you're, you're the one sitting at the table wearing the hat. So sometimes it is frustrating, but, you know, just redirecting that eye contact or maybe speak a little louder so that they can hear you more. It's that kind of attitude that you maneuver through. And do you find it's something that you get better at with experience? It's an adjustment. I wouldn't say... Did I think like this 10 years ago? No. So yes, I guess with time, with time you adjust. When I think if you get knocked down a few times, you start to figure out how to keep your balance a little better, don't you think? Very true. But at the same token, you're also inspired a lot. I've had instances where I've gone to the high schools, like I mentioned before, and there was one class that I was speaking to that was 98% women. There was only two males in the room. Uh, the rest were all young girls from high school that had just taken their EMT course. And the, you know, there was a few that were already certified. There was some that were not yet. Well, at the end of the, you know, speaking to them for a few, half an hour about, you know, had a lot of questions and things that they, they had never heard of. So 
at the end of the conversation, one girl raises her hand and she says, Mr. Yutha, you're the owner. Do you own it? And I said, yes. And she goes, wow, I didn't know that women do it. And I'm thinking the whole class is women, you know, but it was, it was very encouraging. You know, you look at the flip side and you think you're also inspiring the others as well. So it is, it is nice. There's a flip side to it too. You've said something. I'm going to stay in this space. I want to dig a little deeper. And I had intended to go here, but you've said something. I think there's some real juiciness to here. And that is we as women, the responsibility we have to be role models for other women. Because I think often women don't know what is possible for them because there is a limited number of role models. Do you find this as well? And do you find yourself maybe not even recognizing it sometime how much you are a role model for other women? When you're busy enough, you don't think about it. But when you encounter the instances where it's pointed out, then you realize we are making a difference for other women, for other young girls. Okay, tell me more. You, you see how much women have advanced and they're still you know, the glass ceiling, 20% that we still have to break down, but we're getting there. I think the movement towards more working moms and more women that, you know, have become more educated and we're becoming more qualified to do the, to, to practice the same positions that men do. But the more you see it, the more it's uh, available, the more progress that we, we have. Yeah, I agree with that. And it does come down to a role model thing, because when you start to see more people like you, then it makes you believe it is possible. And that means we need not only more women as role models, we need more diverse women as role models. We need Latinos, we need African-American so that all can believe that they can reach these pinnacles of success. She believed she could and she did. Exactly. So I'm going to move into a little different space. So I Something that I have been told by men and women is that they believe that sexual advances are no longer an issue for women in the business world. So my question to you, do you think this is true? And do you think things are significantly different now than they were 20 years ago with regard to sexual advances? I think we move at a faster pace nowadays, and I think it is true. I'm pretty sure it happened then too. It's just nowadays with social media, with technology, with people that we interact on a faster pace now than before. And I think that's one reason why they just think, oh, no big deal, right? But it does happen at work and makes things uncomfortable and then puts you in a position where, you know, pointing it out is is hard but needs to be done. But in the end, you want to get along with the people you do business with. So you have to set the rules right. So it almost becomes a, um, for myself, I know I have, and I want to see if you feel the same. For me, it's often felt like a tightrope because I don't want to laugh off the sexual advances because they are disturbing. They are uncomfortable. They have the wrong messaging in the business relationship, but yet I don't want to be perceived as, you know, a bitch or, Whatever, you know, whatever the society deems. And it, I think it's a difficult space to navigate. It is. It is. So some of these uh, words that I hear from people is, um, and I've heard this from men and women, 
well, these sexual advances are harmless. It's no big deal. Do you agree with that? I don't. I don't agree with them thinking it's no big deal because it is a big deal. I've seen people lose their jobs over it. You know, I've seen people, and that's, that's good that it was handled. But unfortunately, then what do you do when that person that should have had their job, you know, could have just behaved and, you know, vice versa. I've seen both sides of it. I've seen both sides of it. So how do you, as a woman-owned company that certainly has a lot of men working for you and interacting in this very male-dominated space, how do you handle the sexual advances? What do you do with it? With the comments or the touching? or My employees know it's not permitted. They know that we have a zero tolerance. They know that something happens at work, you're going to be fired, you know. So we've all heard, uh, as women... Well, the sexual advances that a woman got, she asked for it. She dressed too sexy or she's too pretty. Or, or, and I can tell you from my corporate background, I remember someone telling me that women engineers didn't look and smell like I did. That I was asking for it. So what do you think of that? I think that those are just excuses for a behavior that exists. That behavior should not be tolerated in the workforce. And once you make an employee feel uncomfortable, the hard thing is for that employee to report it. So there's ways to help prevent and having them understand that if that happens, report it. That if that happens, you know, let your supervisor know and that way it gets handled right then and there on the spot. Don't let time lag because then more excuses come. There's things to be proactive about it and that's important. But yes, you're right. Unfortunately, people think that that's okay and it's not. So Going in a different direction now. So you told me that you love working with strong and powerful business women. Do you find these women have a different leadership style than the men you interact with? In a way, I do find that because they come with the understanding of things. The same issues I have are, same, are some of the same issues that they have. It, there's already that, I don't know if it's called menschkeit or that. There's already that understanding of uh, awareness of, hey, you know, she's in it. I'm in it. We're in it together. You know, whether, whether it's a different type of business, someone like Sarah Hammond, who, uh, you know, she's, she's, even though she's in a different type of business than I am, we still have an understanding of, Hey, she, she gets it. She's a lady boss and we know what they have to do to work harder. So it's a, it's a good understanding in business. Do you think that we as business women, particularly those of us that are so driven and that have been so successful, do we need that support group? Or do you think the perception is we just got it all together? No, I think support groups are very helpful. There's a lot of women support groups, organizations that some very skilled ladies are part of different professions, uh, insurance agents and that type of thing. We help encourage each other. And it's a tight network because we can all promote, we can all help and seek advice on what can encourage us to do better all the way around. So I'm going to stay in this support space a little bit because there's women like you and many of the women on this platform are seen as being very powerful in the business world in their communities. So do you find that women often struggle to claim their power? I don't think there's many women that are seeking the power. I think there's many women that are seeking advancement for them and their families. I think they have a more humble attitude. It's, it's not a power egoistic move. It's more of a, let me advance and do good for my family. I know that my why is my children. You know, 
I want to leave them a good legacy. I need them to understand. I don't want to just leave an inheritance for them to not know how to run it. That is one reason I involve them. I encourage them. They're deeply involved and they help mama at work because they need to know and understand what I'm leaving them. So you made a comment that you don't necessarily think women are seeking power. So what does the word power mean to you? Power means putting your name on something and standing behind it and being territorial about certain things. That is how I see the word power. That is how I think. I think sometimes it's hard to work around certain egos. And many people, here, here's just an example. Let's say Coca-Cola. But to be Coca-Cola, you need to have a ton of relationships. You need to have a lot of advancement. The good thing is it's a general blanketed name and it's well known in the industry and it's solid. It is powerful. But at the same token, forming those relationships along the way, you can't form them if you are egoistic about who you're doing business with. You, you form them by humble means. You form them by growing relationships through, through mutual aid relationships and growth among advancement for your business. So do you find that the expression in power feels better for you than word power? Because you are in a position, you are in power by owning your company and being the one that calls the shots and having the ability to be seen, heard, and respected as a successful businesswoman. So from that space, you're in power and can influence others and also have the financial resources to do that. Does that have a different feel and meaning to you as a woman? I would say yes, because I don't consider it, this is my power and this is how I'm going to use it. It's more, how can I help? I don't know if that's a different mindset. It's more of, more of a humble mindset of, I, we want to encourage. When I pray at night, I don't pray for God to give me a more money. or the, I pray and I say, God, allow me the privilege to help save lives. Allow me the privilege to help this patient that's needed. Allow me the privilege to gain the trust of our employees to grow. allow It's always allow me the privilege. It, I feel like it's, I'm a privileged person versus a powerful person. And the reason I was pushing on this a little bit, because one of the things I see is that we need to empower women. And the word empower in itself means someone gives you the power to do something. And I think women have way outworn that path and are now in a place where they're ready to say, I don't need someone to empower me and teach me those skills. I need someone to help me be in power and teach me the things that allows me to be in power. And that's I, why that's where I was asking you, how do you perceive that? I agree with that thought. Yeah, I think the empowerment movement has run its course. I think we've gained all we're going to gain out of that. It's time to move to the next level for sure. And you're doing it brilliantly. So is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? Don't give up. Don't give up. Just be persistent about what your your goals are, what you want to accomplish. Things get set aside. We tend to always put ourselves in last position, you know, because we're either handling things that our children need, our spouse needs. But if you don't have a stronghold on yourself and what your goals are too, then how can you help encourage the rest of them? I think that's brilliant advice. And I, I'm so appreciative for you, all the nuggets of wisdom that you've shared today. And thank, thank you. you so much for being here with me, Ronnie. 
Thank you, Annette. And Ronnie is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman story unfolds. 